All right, we're here with JK Productions, and they know it's dedication. So, guys, Nick and Kyle, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Uh, my name's Kyle Farks, and I would like to dedicate to my uh, brother and co-runner of JK Productions, Nick Farks. It's a little bit obvious, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to, uh, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll uh, follow Kyle Kyle's, Kyle's example. Kyle and Farks. Kyle Farks' example, and also dedicate it to myself. All right, wonderful. All right, let's begin the show. Right, welcome back to another episode, and today we have two guests. I usually do one, but uh, t- we, we figured it's best to guys because you guys work together, and you guys are brothers, we bring you both in, and today we have Kyle and Nick Farks. Correct, F-A-R-X. From, from JK Productions. That's the most important part is JK Productions. All right. We'll just start it off. How can people find your production company? Uh, you could go to facebook.com uh, slash jkproductionsmn. It used to be the easiest way to find us on YouTube was just to type JK Productions and then like Ruby or Rildchild. Nick Farks, what do you think? I've found that YouTube, there are a lot of JK Productions, so I feel like Facebook is a good start. Uh, We'll we'll definitely put the link so people don't have to circumnavigate. We'll just put the link down below if they want to click on there. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, So you definitely have social media. um, Do a lot of, you guys do a lot of, Films, you do submit films quite a bit for Z-Fest, which is a local film competition here in Minnesota. And I just want to get familiar because I don't really, I never really met you guys. I've seen you guys at award shows. I never got to sit down and talk with you. But um, how did you get the conversation started in Let's Making Movies? Kind of where start from there if nobody really knows you. How did we get into making movies? I think we both started making movies when we were kids and then found each other professionally about five years ago. Yes. As, work, as working together. Yes. And I give them your origin story of my first. origin yeah, story. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll give them mine. All right, go ahead, Nick. Yeah. How far back are we talking? I, I would say, Nick Farks, the best place to start is when you <laughs> started making the silly, like, uh, compilation videos oh, yeah. with the sister and describe oh. what that is. Well, okay, so I guess the way to sum that up is yeah, I've been making air quotes movies since I was like 12 I was always right. running around with cameras before then but like like oh let's make a movie and <clears throat> you know when you're 12 and you want to make like a movie what do you do like and for some reason I didn't have the concept of short films in my mind I'm like I like it's got to be an hour and a half it's got to be a feature length movie I don't know why I was obsessed with that <clears throat> but um the natural way to do that was just basically sketch comedy based feature length movies shot on a camcorder with no editing capabilities at first and then went from there that kind of became the template for between then and when I went to film school and actually like you know started doing stuff more real right that was my that was my training ground like let's make another one of these things make some sketch comedies and put them together and and uh that's that was my background up until like 2009 so comedy's always kind of been almost a core a little bit for you guys Comedy for me, comedy was. I, I, what's weird is that I, growing up, I was always a horror kid, 
And um, I think comedy, I was finding comedy easier to make. <laughs> Not that I didn't like comedy, you know. No, but but like, yeah, the jokes work fly, then yeah. rather than having a big mess on set. Because I tried to make a horror movie when I was 12, too, and it didn't work out. So <laughs> probably stuck with comedy for a while. Yeah, so that's kind of my... That's that was that those those area that that area that era I should say of when you're just you're a kid you're doing it for fun up until when you start making it right stuff for real went to film school in 2009 and and then started you know branched out from there and because of the film school you know how to use a camera you got trained in that you know how to edit you do that professionally for a living you shoot and edit professionally commercially for a living. So yeah. that's how your talents have been honed. And now people come to you and are like, oh, I need Nick Farks for my, <laughs> for my <laughs> production. Yep, exactly. For the audience in Sweden, our last names aren't actually Farks, but we want to be, we are brothers. So we wanted to, oh, sh- yeah. Um, so but, then 2017, we started working together. Yes, we met okay. uh, yep, through a mutual collaborator. All right. And then guys kind of got a team together almost. So you almost, do you have like, individual meetings like how do you get one how does one project get green lighted is kind of a question i have for me if you have so many ideas swirling or do you just like sure. i want to do this i'm like okay let's try it or just there are lists of projects we're looking at working on and we look at each other and go is it uh can we do it on the budget we have um it's there's different men of motivation so yeah. Let's take last year's Z-Fest, and I'll give my origin story later, but last year's Z-Fest, we did two Z-Fests. We weren't planning to do two, but the first one we wanted to work with, people we've worked with before, uh, someone who had written a script for Ruby, had an idea for a horror uh, idea, and so we said, yeah, let's do that. We had an actress we'd worked with before, Elizabeth yeah. Eftelin, and uh, she wanted to be in it, and we were going to like have her direct it, probably co-direct it with Nick, since Nick directs a lot of the movies and is going to always be DP, um, DP and editor. Uh, so we went ahead and that was plan A. We made that movie and yeah. it worked out well, made best of. Um, a lot of other people involved. That was Night. That was Apostrophe Night, which <laughs> screws it. I would recommend no one ever put apostrophes in a title <laughs> because right. it screws it up on all of like the um, film freeway platforms when they send me stuff back. It's like, Oh, the not, portal, yeah, it doesn't recognize, okay. It does not recognize the apostrophe. I'm the administrative guy. Nick's yeah. the actual talent. That's not a knock against uh, having it in the script that way. It's just we've learned now <laughs> when we've gotten to this stage. Uh, I like the look of it on in the script. Thanks for giving me a yeah, heads up for but, yeah. submitting more to uh, Film Freeway. Yeah, oh, cause, yeah. Because it, does, it doesn't, yeah, it's really weird. So that was night. And then you did the... And then we were... Well, like last year, we knew that Z-Fest was going to be halved, basically, because of... I don't know if you weird. heard about... Yeah, yeah a, because of you've heard of the thing that happened in 2020. I won't I won't mention its name. But. <laughs> no, it was really weird because we didn't have as many selections. It was you usually you get like 60 or 80 sometimes films. Yeah. Yes. The highest they've had is uh, 74 with 60 turn-in. Yesterday was Z-Fest kickoff, so I know the stats from talking to Adam Colt, who started and runs Z-Fest with John and Margie. Um and then we were looking at each other and like, ah, we're done with a lot of time left. Why don't we do another one? <laughs> and we tell ourselves every year we're not going to do more than one because, like, let's do one, then focus on the next thing. Because we have bigger projects we're working towards because JK Productions intends to be a narrative film business. But I don't know if you've heard this before. It's kind of hard to make a uh, narrative film business out of anywhere other than New York or L.A. Right. Yeah. Yes. And we're, we're kind of a small market where we are. Yes. Yeah. 
obviously it'd be nice if uh, Minneapolis could grow into being in Atlanta or in Austin, mm-hmm. you know, places where they're making lots of content, obviously. Yeah. We lost a lot of good people that are actors and actresses because they just they went to Atlanta because you know, there's great opportunities there much more than here. And it's kind of like, uh, why you got, we want you to come back. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely we want the market to grow. All right. So as long as I understand the collaboration team seems to work, you're, uh, Nick's more a little more of the creative process and Kyle's a little more of the kind of the. Whoa, whoa. I am, I am part of the creative process. <laughs> okay. All right. Because right. actually, okay, so we did, we did night and then I had an idea for, um, you know, when Cobra Kai came out, I yeah. was like, oh, they're just going to take everything from the 80s and 90s and start flipping it to be the bad guy's perspective, right? Because you had Karate Kid. Then they make Cobra Kai. They had uh, X Men, and then they did the uh, Magneto origin right. story. We had the Joker movie. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, "Oh, let's do that with the foot." Except instead of doing a Ninja Turtle story, let's do a political thriller. So that's not exactly something they're ever going to do with the Ninja Turtles, since they're aimed at children. No, it was a fascinating concept because I know I, when I saw it in Z Fest, I was like, "Where are they going with this?" Because there's you had so much action in there, so much intensity. I was like, there has to be a big punch at the end. And you guys delivered marvelously at the end, which is like, great. Now I get, now, now like it all, you know, at the end when everybody's like, now it all makes sense. Yeah. Sure. And yeah. it's kind of, a well, just to get, be clear, uh, an undercover cops goes in with the foot who are the bad guys in the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And her mentor is Casey Jones, who's the vigilante that the Ninja Turtles are friends with. He's a human. Since we couldn't, you know, animate turtles for seven minutes, that would cost a lot of money. Just right. animating the turtle for... Or get him in a styrofoam suit or whatever. Yeah, yeah in the old days, yeah. Yeah, and while that's, that's cool, and I like those, you know, Muppet movies of the 90s with the Ninja Turtles... I, it wasn't the tone we were going for because, no. like I said, political thriller. Think Winter Soldier, but right, yeah. yeah. I think it delivers. I loved it. Th- yeah. Thank you. And I came here just for the compliments, Nick. <laughs> my brother did, came here to talk about our, our organization, but I came here for compliments. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that was a, that was a one for me sort of thing. After hey, we got this one that works really well. Let's do something big and dangerous that's challenging just because we can. And we know Z-Fest is not having as many people this year, yeah. so we should try to punch it out there. Can you give it a little taste of what we're gonna, what you guys do in upcoming submitting for Z-Fest? So we got three different projects. Um, the first one, that the like plan A is related to our uh, feature that we're working on. Do you wanna give a little background of the feature quick? Yeah, yeah. well, I guess, okay. uh, yeah. Well, we are in the middle of uh, We've we've shot a little bit so far, but it's going to be a drawn out process. But what's going to be a kind of harking back to you know the stuff I mentioned before? How do you make a how do you make a full length film? Right. Like, so it's going back to that twelve year old mindset. Now is wanting to move beyond and like how can we make a feature length project? Yeah. We're going back to sketch comedy, sketch comedy with a wraparound framework narrative. Okay. So okay. that's in the works. Uh, we've got a writer's room going. We've got scripts written. We've shot two of them. Um, one of the one of the ones we've shot is one of our Z-Fests. Like, we, we went into uh, this knowing, clever. like, okay, we right. can dual purpose this thing. Um, so one of them is for that. Also, after Z-Fest, it's going to theoretically go into this feature-length project. Um, but our A, like you... Oh, yeah, I just called... Probably our B. Our A is right. one we have not 
yet shot yet. We're shooting on the 5th. Yeah, we're giving ourselves a week after we shoot it to get it edited. And when I say we, I'm going to be sitting next to Nick while it's getting edited. But it goes back to Nick's actual skill and talent of, you know, being able to edit and add the special effects. We're It's a... Uh, uh, it's called The Puppet King. Yeah. Uh, a screenwriter who's, uh, I guess, becoming more of note, John Dittman, came to us and said, hey, you know, I've worked with you guys. He's been in, we've made writer's rooms before that he's been invited to. Uh, at specifically after um, two or three years ago, Z-Fest, we made a movie called Riled Child that was yeah. a, um, a superhero movie. And we were going to, oh, let's try to make more, you know, installments of that. So he was... A writer there but he's more of a horror guy because yeah. like you he's a horror guy actually to dovetail back to your original question about origin stories i'm a comedy guy i was the performer growing up like in church nick never went to church i went to church i was in a singing and dancing group <laughs> in high school i was like i know how i can get girls i can go to an audition and do an arnold schwarzenegger impression and in sophomore year that got me put in the plays and then i was in plays while doing sports through the rest of high school. Yeah. In college, I went specifically for business because I wanted a job. I didn't have the true artistry of spirit like my brother does. And uh, at the in college then, I started a filmmaking group at the college because the college had plays, it had improv, but it didn't have specifically a group to make. I noticed a lot with when I interview people that there's sometimes when they go to college, it's not like how to make a movie. We talk about how movies critique them, but everybody's like... Well, how about we make our own to kind of a group, yeah. Exactly, and you're going to learn a lot more. Like you were saying earlier when you were talking about your project, you learn a lot more doing it yourself and what you would change next time by doing yeah. it, by actually getting in there and doing it. I've heard you talk on previous episodes because you spent 20 years as a ref, right? Yes, a, I did. A football yeah. ref, and you just push the refs out there and say, hey, just get out there and do it, right? Yep. And that's probably the best way to learn. So plan A, plan B, plan C was another one of our friends came to us and said, hey, I've got this idea for a thing. And we've made like a 20 minute feature with him before where- Wait, what? We, we made Bowman, remember? Oh, 20 Bowman, okay. What, we made a 20 minute feature. It, it showed before the, the 40 minute feature that was your idea when we premiered that. <laughs> I just didn't remember. I, I'm, I'm not trying to knock the length of it. I'm just, I got thrown off because you said 20 minutes. Yeah, it's 20 minutes long. It Bowman, didn't feel Bowman, like it because it's that minutes? good. I, really? I think it, maybe it's 15. Okay, sorry. The editing was so good. Right? <laughs> You didn't edit that one. That's why well, you don't remember it. No, uh, and that'll dovetail into uh, talking about our Plan C, which is a, a disc golf comedy, but it's... Oh, there you go. I'm already in. Okay, so I'm it's, already in. it's Caddyshack, but the rich man, poor man dynamic is um, based on cryptocurrency. And our, our friend, who's a veteran... Uh, knows like I met him because I DJ weddings and the equipment company. That's how I pay for movies. Um, the equipment company uh, hired him as a video guy, and then we were traveling to go shoot a band, and I was hired as a video guy because they have me DJ and then shoot yeah, videos course. sometimes. Of course. And uh, he was telling me, yeah, I've got this idea for uh, this like a big guy, a big like former veteran who goes around killing people with a. Um, a, a crossbow, hence the movie being called Bowman. Sure. And I was like, oh, you want a big guy? You ever heard of Lee Fillingsness? And he had, has Lee been on the show? Oh, yes, we had him. Yeah, he was wonderful, right? Yeah. And, um, 
he's one of the and I like to like tell guests we can talk about anything you like and he's like I don't want to talk about me I want to talk about movies I like I go, that's great we'll just talk about Highlander for an hour <laughs> yeah so he's got that whole podcast talking about Highlander yeah, Highlander right yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean we're from the Midwest we don't really want to talk about ourselves but this is a you know uh, platform for others to hear about you because that's how you and I started talking right is yes I someone came to me who I met at Catalyst and was like. What in the Minnesota, Minneapolis, Twin Cities market is there for shows and podcasts I can use to get my show out there? And then I was like, well, I know Nick, kind of. We're Facebook friends, but I don't know Nick. Uh, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Palatichuk. Palatichuk. It's really weird. Yeah. Ukrainian. What? Ukrainian. Uh, yes. That's exactly how I read it in my head. So it's not that. Probably not that. <laughs> not that yeah, that's how I was pronouncing my head. I'm not looking at his name right now. That's why it's, I have to. If I was looking at it, I would have done oh. it perfectly. I'm always great at pronunciation. I'm shaking my head no for the <laughs> listening audience. I'm bad. I usually let the guests tell them tell me what their names are. Usually. Oh yeah, yeah. Per- you, perfect. Yeah. Kyle Farks, F A R X. Um, so we're gonna do this thing called tossers. And the intent is... That's the disc golf one title? That's the disc golf one. Cause they so now the title I'm already in. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the it's a, not a style of comedy that we typically do because I would say what we're doing, I want to be able to show both my parents. <laughs> this is a comedy where uh, I will not be showing my mom. <laughs> right. We had I, to run something by Z-Fest after it was already made because it's not... The original purpose wasn't for Z-Fest, but it's like, hey, this is going to be under eight minutes. Let's get this in Z-Fest so all the people who worked on it can see it within a year instead of having to set up our own screening like we did with Bowman when we yeah. did that one with Micah. Well, I think to clarify your ABC strategy like of them, it's like A is the one that's the most uh, from scratch designed to be a Z-Fest entry, whereas B, which is what we're currently calling Celebrity, um, is part is of this bigger project that we could like, oh we can also make this a Z Fest and within the Z Fest guidelines and everything, um, and that's why it's B and this this was this was also and Tossers is C because it's it was it, never intended also, for Z Fest to, it to, like, we didn't, it wasn't yeah. even our idea but we ended up co-producing it and also like oh we can also make this a Z Fest and <laughs> Michael will get mad if I don't say this there is actually a blockchain coded cryptocurrency for this project of theirs it's called wrecked r-e-k-t um i believe if you just uh search get wrecked on okay. google you can find it and bitfake.com bitfake.com and every friday you can claim actual real cryptocurrency that's completely valueless at this time i mean for now for, for now for, right. yeah um are you doing any cryptocurrency nick no no should i <laughs> Ask my brother. <laughs> I don't know because you did okay last year with a little bit of cryptocurrency. Didn't oh, you? I'm sitting. I'm or I'm I'm hoddling. Well, yeah, that's what is that's that what the, you call it? Hoddling. That's what yeah, that's what we call it. Okay. Yeah, I'm just it's so you know. different. I don't even know. I don't. I'm not even familiar with Wordle yet. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, if you're not, if you can't Wordle, you can't hoddle, right? <laughs> it's just this a deliberately misspelling of the word hold. Like okay. You're holding. You're holding is on there an to, E at the end, or is it spelled? No, it's just H O D L. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm a slow person to get introduced to new things. I mean, it took me ten years to get on Instagram. You know. And oh, and I'm I'm still not on. So like I'm yeah. very much you know I'll Take, use it when it becomes useful uh, to me. I'm a slow <laughs> in person. Like I didn't get on Facebook till like 2010. 
So, and it's been around for many years. So I'm kind of a slow person. Maybe in 20 years I get on crypto. I mean, at least you're not you're not yeah. on MySpace anymore. No, I never was. Okay, good. Because no, then no. you know that it's, might be problematic. Now, I heard, I heard that's still going. Oh, is it really? Yeah, there, you can still yeah. go to MySpace, and yeah. Tom's still there. You know, <laughs> Tom's still there. Tom, he's gotta be. But do, like, do you click on it and like a tumbleweed goes through or something? I think it's, I think it's a place like you can still all the music that people put up is still there and oh. that sort of thing. I think Weird. they started to try and become more of like a music platform at some point, but then that that didn't work out. That's and that's a different game than me. We're yeah. we're just trying to make movies and trying yeah. to make better and bigger movies so that the Minneapolis film market grows, uh, not so we can become wealthy cryptocurrency uh, people. But our our other friend um, Steve knows how to code to the blockchain, so woohoo! So it's a it's a real crypt. It's a new real coin that's out there now. I get it. That yeah. you can go to bitfake.com. And, and it's get. a central part of the plot in Tossers. Yes. Yeah. Um, and maybe there will be several episodes of Tossers. I hope there is, because like, yeah. that's always the goal. So, Is Tossers part of the Writer's Room project? Uh, it, came, it came of a separate... Uh, it, was, it started with Micah, and then Micah came to us with it. Okay. And we sit, sat down and like, talked to them a little bit about what the script would need. Well, yeah, Micah had developed it for quite a while with uh, his Dan. own... Yeah, with Dan, um, his collaborator on that. So that's why... Just to be clear, like if we're, sounds like we're rating these things A, B, C, but like that's why it's C because it's not really it yeah, wasn't ours to it, begin and with, and it wasn't originally intended for Z Fest. So yeah, however it okay. goes, like great, Z Fest is gravy because it's a bonus. It will be seen, and then the people who worked on it will be able to see it and see how yeah. it works. Because yeah. I hate that when people talk about that all the time. Like I, I worked on this thing and it never came out. Yeah, and I, if there is something that is a unifying principle on JK Productions, it is that. No, we're going to get this done, and it's yeah. going to be shown for you at some point. Because the yeah. the first part of the movie, Disengagement, oh, yeah. which you, was your idea and you wrote, um, we're going to show that in another little like pop-up film festival that uh, Penn Poldich, I think I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah. am. Yeah, they're putting that together, uh, hunts in that. So, yeah, uh, well, the people who worked on that will get to see it, and that's... I mean, you, you you can pay people, which we do, but we also, you know, care a lot about... Yeah, well, I mean, we, yeah, like... We, we've evolved into that in the past couple of we years. We try to pay people, like, you know, if we're being told, you know how it is, like, we, we pay right. what we can, and, like, sometimes it's, it's like... You're not going to make money on a short film, but you could yeah. spend $5,000 on a short film, and it'll Easily, be Easily, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, have we spent... I know we spent... So last year we probably spent, like, 3 k across two movies, but um, Night was less than... A third of that, so because it was oh, all yeah. just a basement. That's true. Yeah. And it's yeah, that, locations key for yeah. Whose basement was it? It was my basement. <laughs> there you go. There, yeah, that it helps. It helps. It, Location. Yeah. It just won best horror in the Boston Indie what? Film. I sent you the link. Oh, I. That happened this weekend. Was it the ten minute or the did, seven minute? We haven't re-edited. Yeah, we never went back minute. to. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah, because um, actually going back to that. Um, once we made that change to it, like taking out the whole, the, where the character is going around checking doors and everything, like it's yeah. her routine, we realized, well, um, if that's her routine, like, because it's her night terrors personified by Lee. Lee yes. plays the yeah. character. Yeah, um, yeah, we should have told everybody about the audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we realized, well, we can just leave this out because, like, the whole point is that something is different tonight than other nights. If she just went about her routine, the same as every other night, then there's no reason for this to happen tonight. 
to, I think the idea that in our heads, the, what we arrived at was that she didn't do her routine and she left the door open. We linger on the door that's open a crack. Um, so you kind of can piece together that she didn't do the routine tonight. And that's why it manifested It manifested. And then that, that's what got us to seven minutes. And then we just, yeah, we've just left it that way ever since. Yeah. And I wonder what, well, one of the things we talk about a lot is Nick will try to internally justify. I, I agree with you on this completely that you need to have an answer. Like does Quentin Tarantino know what is inside the suitcase in Pulp Fiction? You never see what's inside the suitcase. It's open several times, but does right. he know? And is it better if he knows what's inside that so that, you know, that's the MacGuffin of Pulp Fiction? Right. My, I critique movies with my friend Kyle Gothi on YouTube for our thing. And he, he loves that we have some kind of clarity a little bit about the ending, a little bit of more. And I like open-ended. I like to like maybe it's this way, maybe it's that way. But, yeah, especially when you're writing, you just have a suitcase open and it glows. You want to know what the hell it is. And I think for the writer, she kind of know what the hell it is, even though you're not telling us. But it's right. It's a valuable piece, and like for night, it was the nightlight, right? Yeah. yeah. Which so we should defeat Lee. So if anyone yeah. runs into a problem with Lee, just run after him with a the nightlight. nightlight. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even though sometimes you know, and also in seven minutes, sometimes you don't have the time to like we didn't we can't put it on the screen there. Oh, she always does this every night. And now she didn't like. But we're kind of we know that if people have questions, we have the answer. And like, if people have questions about the significance of the nightlight, we know, we know we can answer those questions if people come to us and ask that, even if we couldn't put it all on screen in seven minutes. I'm going back tonight. I love that the, it's, it's she, you know, is it in her mind? Is it something real? Is it something tangible? Is she a good person, bad person? Those answers don't really get answered, which makes me even like it even more. Cause you know, I, when you go to wires workshops and people always, but is it a good person, bad person? Who the hell cares? It's a person. I don't really care if it's a good person or a bad person. But I usually write in their mind they think they're always doing good. Um, I did that for my movie cycle. I don't think any of them are like horrible people, even though they were horrible things. But they're not doing, they're not going to win the Peacemaker Award either. So, right. And especially for Knight, you, you sympathize her for what she's going through, but she could be a serial killer for, you know, for things. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she is. Like, <laughs> Elizabeth Eftelind, I hope she hears this, is a serial killer. <laughs> Wait, her, the actress or the character? The actress. Oh, wow. I, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's a good friend and regular collaborator, so that I'm making fun of her. That's. I'm a little John McCain in the way of, like, he always made fun of people if he liked them. Oh. And that, that is to my detriment sometimes. <laughs> Lee told me that once when we were on stage after... Uh, after my friend Molly yeah. and I was interviewing you and Micah he's like yeah. it helps to know that you're friends with these guys so when you're making fun of them it's not just some <laughs> random guy making fun. it's not these are my brothers yeah. you know. so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking for a job because I do I do storyboards I'm not asking to but you guys just I'm kind of curious do you guys do storyboards for your movies oh, this is a point of contention for me okay Nick, you, you answer first. Yeah, I mean, we've yeah. we've dabbled. We started, like, right. in the last couple of things, we've dabbled in it. Um, I'm always, I guess... Can, can yeah. I say something here? I think it because you're a DP and editor, Yeah, you know, like, I you're cutting the movie as you're shooting it, and I can see what you're doing. Like, I understand, since as the... I'm usually the AD, right. and I'm looking at the shot list going, we've got this much time to get five more shots. I know why we need all these shots. And we very rarely do like, oh, we're gonna do a shot just to do a shot that w never gets used. Yeah. Um, cause, fun for fun. Yeah, like shooting fast is important. 
I agree. If anything, we're usually like, oh, we have uh, shot K and L. Are we can knock those both out with one, and then we're usually condensing things, not rather than coming up with stuff on the spot. And I just I'm so used to doing a written just a a shot list where I can read it and be like, this is you know it's very it's very detailed and it's like. I think it's a useful tool when you have like a big production, so everybody knows. Oh, yeah. But when you guys are working so tightly, yeah. you're like, I know exactly what you're going to do without that, even saying it. Yep. You can say to the yeah. production designer, hey, uh, the crotch is going to be in the shot or the face is going to be in the shot. <laughs> That's a reference yeah. to an off-camera story <laughs> or an off-recorded yeah. uh, off story. That, but yeah. usually I think like DPs kind of like don't really need to do story words i know exactly what i want that's yeah, yeah that, that, that you make a good point like like if we did have more people um and if we ever do have more more people than like five uh you know um then yes the storyboard then would be cut because everybody become, sees visually can, what's going to happen everybody can see it yeah. yeah and i think part of it is like sometimes we i'm making a shot list before well no, i'm not usually making a shot list before we know our location because that's almost as hard as trying to draw a storyboard um because, like, if you don't know the layout of your space, how can you yeah, do right. that? Yeah, right. you got to really? scout the locations so and everything. It's more just, like, sometimes by the time we're getting the shot list, I definitely would want to do a shot list based on my knowledge of the um, of the space that we're shooting in and then have a storyboard of that. And by the t- usually by the time that's done, you know, we are What's not... What's the point of having storyboards? At that, that, well, and, and time. Here's yes, my counter yeah. to that. Yeah, So ahead. if you had a storyboard, if you had a comic book... I look around the room at all uh, Nick's comic books. Yeah. Uh, if you had a comic book, you would be able to find a location based on, well, I only need these shots. So it doesn't matter that there is a pink polka dot wall over here. I only need to see, like, these two walls and then the person's hand, the, you know, it's a medium shot. So I, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can be more efficient with locations because you only need this much uh, that you're looking for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I kind of know that. As far as knowing what we need and don't need, I know that in my head. Like if I know the space and I know we well, okay, this 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 aspect of the space over in this corner doesn't work, but we don't need to show that, so it's not a problem. We can still shoot it, like that sort of thing. And that's you know. And it would be here's so the counter to that again because we came here to debate. We are brothers. <laughs> Notice, all right? I don't know like the, how we work. Early morning. Is, the, yeah. the we don't oh, do yeah. this on set, but we do this for going in and when we're editing. Yes, pre-production. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, the counter would be, I know what's in your head and yep. I trust what's in your head. And like when I'm directing and you're DPing, I, I know what we're getting. Here's where it makes it easier is I can say to the actor, uh, don't act so hard with your legs. We're only seeing from your waist up. Something like that. Yeah. Because on this shot, this is B. Here's what B looks like. You're only going to see this much of you. It's like, oh, because uh, when I was listening to the commentary for It's Complicated, a great Nancy Myers movie that stars Alec Baldwin, the DP was on it and he was saying, you know, Alec Baldwin is such a great actor because he was coming up to me and saying, hey, is this a medium shot or a long shot? Because he wanted to know like how much of the whole body he has to use. Or, yeah. yeah. And then they handed him a gun and they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> There's no guns and it's complicated. So you can go back and watch right. that movie without any. Yeah, I. I still think, you know, that's where, you know, you can have a monitor on set and show them the monitor. Yeah, the monitor know. does make the... Because really, that's the fun. That's what, regardless of what you sketched out in a storyboard, it comes down to what's on the monitor. Uh, but, you know, whatever. And it, I, what I, the impression I get from you, 
host Nick is yeah. that you like to storyboard, but from my perspective, it's a very labor intensive process. And when I've asked, say like Kirk Yang to do us a storyboard in the past, I feel bad because I'm asking someone to do a lot of work. And I like, what if, oh, we changed that. So that these three shots don't matter anymore. Yeah. Cause especially for a short film and you think seven pages, you can just crank out a storyboard. But usually if I do, somebody gives you like a seven page script to storyboard, that's about 40 pages of storyboarding. That's like storyboarding because you want to get everything, how you want to do that and change it up a little bit. And it's not a comic book. Comic book is different. Comic book, you can do the world and then focus, you know. So you want to like, okay, that's the established room and where you want to put everybody. So you have to think about before you even draw what you want to do for the, the scene. Rather than a comic book, you can just cut from one panel to another. It can be completely different. Actually, it's encouraged. But on storyboards, you have to think of the flow of everything, especially when you have two-person dialogue. How are you going to do that? Is the person back or front or by themselves, like David Lynch likes to do, yeah. and then change by themselves, you know, something like that. Yeah. So I think storyboarding, just hire somebody to storyboard, you're not going to get a result. You want to probably sit down with somebody to get their visionary. So if I, like, if I did storyboards for you, I probably want to watch all your movies to know what kind of your style is before I even put a paper. Because you're probably like, no, that's not what we work with. You already did all that labor for nothing. So. Yeah, and I think that is part of it. Like we, we knowing that we're not always able to pay people, yeah. um, and sometimes when we are, maybe it's like not that high of an amount. You know, um, it's a lot of work to have someone do if they're not being paid. And I think it's. Like. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Nick, but oh. I think it's completely unnecessary for comedy. Oh, sure. comedy is like the gag, right? It's something action oriented. You probably definitely want to. Yeah. The stunts and everything, but for comedy, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. My complete counter was going to be for the action of comedy because I just saw uh, one of the actors from Night. There's only three actors because you don't count as a voice on the phone, Nick. Um, <laughs> no. Uncredited. No. I think that's true. He is uncredited. Like the, the number of times we leave ourselves off of credits because, like, the Smart Mouth documentary, my name is nowhere in it, even though I was the one who was like, oh, if we make a documentary, we can easily win this category of Z Fest oh, yeah. and then we can use it as advertising for the show. Not even as producer. What? Not even as... No. You left your names off. <laughs> but one of the actors in it, yeah. Carl Swanson, uh, he's in a play right now called The Play That Goes Wrong out at the Old Log Theater. And the amount of coordination they have to do for all of the physical comedy and the stage falls apart at different points, you would have... Like, if you're doing any sort of comedy that That's is not dialogue-based, and a lot of people, you know, they like to hear their own writing, so you see a lot of those, but I think... Yeah, like Aaron comedies. Sorkin. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin can do it because he's, he's been on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not Aaron Sorkin, so I can't write for the sorry. sake of hearing my dialogue. All right, so I interrupted Nick and I interrupted Kyle. So, okay, sorry. Uh, um, so, storyboarding st- comedies. Storyboarding is important. I mean, that we have the shot list and that we're not going in blind is why we can shoot fast usually. But I just would like to have... If we had like months of pre-production so that we could go, oh no, I want you know this more this way, that more that way, that, yeah. if that makes sense. Well, I, I did research for the movie The Thing and I heard that the pre-production was a year and a half. So they did storyboards, they wanted like monsters, they hired all these artists to get kind of a star. That's something you definitely want to do with like that, but something yeah. like Caddyshack, you don't need to just <laughs> yeah. go out there and set the camera and let Bill Murray do his thing, right? Yeah. Kind of like, that's what I was referring to a little yeah. bit, yeah. Sure. I think it comes down to like the more people you're going to need involved on your crew to pull it off. Like, like action is probably the easiest example. Um, like if there's stunts and big like you know 
those Marvel Hard movies, kids. they have a whole previs department yeah. that does an animatic that they can use. The more people who need to see what you're, the shot you're trying to get, then yes. Like yeah. if any any more than what we already have, then we'd want, then we'd want to for sure storyboard. But more as right, as of right now, when we're very like you know tight, uh, tight is my nice way of saying we don't have a lot of people. We don't have a lot of time on our crew. So host yeah. Nick, did you yeah. start as more of a comic book guy or a yeah. movie guy? Like which which is your first love? I am. Um, Artistically, for drawing, I love comic books, but I've always been fascinated with movies because movies is part of my life. When I was a kid, we didn't have a TV. We just went to the movies. And I think they took me even as an infant because we didn't have air conditioning. And so they, well, where do you go to cool off? And then where's cheap? You just go to the movie theater for summer. And you probably just, that absorption, go to the drive-in, go to all that sort of stuff like that. We're missing Not, that sense of community these yeah. days at the movies. Yeah. Because people just, it's, I'm at the movies. But I... I feel like I'm seeing more people at the movies now than I did, say, last year. Slowly creeping back in a yeah, little bit. And yeah, it's nice to see people that you know. I've run into Lee at the movies because this is the JK Productions featuring Lee as a topic podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really funny because I have to go see, after we're recording, I'm going to go see Blacklight. And I'm going to go see it when the Super Bowl is happening because not a lot of people would be there and I won't be bothered. But it's really weird for my dynamic because football has been a center of my life. Yeah, for many years I used to be a referee. I used to play it. I used to do it in college, and I did it for twenty years. And I would never miss the Super Bowl for a movie, but I'm doing it today, <laughs> missing the Super Bowl to go see a movie. What is so, so special about Liam Neeson beating up people for you that makes you want to miss? The <laughs> it was our selection. Our uh, Kyle and I were going to critique it for our YouTube channel. Oh, okay. So we were like, I don't want to do Death in the Nile. I just don't. I think it's boring to talk about that movie. I think it's an interesting movie. I love to see it, but I think it will have so much juicier things to talk about with Blacklight, even if it's an awful movie, is still him doing like Charles Bronson, for gosh sakes, yeah. what John Bronson did in the 80s, just even though they're bad, it's Charles Bronson kicking ass, let's go do it, yeah. That's a great comparison. I always yeah. hear Clint Eastwood, but yeah, it's more of a Charles Bronson thing than it is a Clint Eastwood thing that Liam's doing this past, what, since Taken was 2008? Yeah. Yeah. Taken over, right, like, yeah. Uh, before we go to break, I do have one more question. Um, since you guys kind of work with tight schedules and really fast, do you use two cameras? <laughs> um, I think we've done it a couple times, but my my argument usually, whenever we're not doing, because we have two cameras like in house that we can use. Okay. Um, but my, my so like it's not a, you know, because we're not renting cameras, we have our Own our equipment. core stuff. So it's not about not having a second camera, but like my argument usually against two cameras is that it's hard enough to light well for one camera and not see the lights, and then it's a second, it's another camera that you have to hide lights from. <laughs> if right. it's just over the cross, over the shoulder, then you could probably, you know. And that moment where you start sacrificing something for camera A so that it'll work for camera B, yeah. you've given up, like automatically the two things you're getting are at 80% instead of 100%. And yeah. You know, yeah. I would think uh, the only time to, to really need it, and the only thing I can think back is um, the movie The Dark Knight, where Christian Bale is going to retrieve his motorcycle, and the conversation he's still having with Michael Caine at the desk. That's oh. definitely something you need two cameras, because you need the camera on Michael Caine seeing his lines, but you need a camera to follow Christian Bale getting his motorcycle as that scene's progressing, because you need... And one, you can do it in one take, right? Both cameras working, yeah. and then in editing, you cut up the dialogue so it fits. Yeah. But you don't really do that in short films where somebody's going away from the camera that you need the kind of the setup. The example yeah. from The Dark Knight I would have used is when they flipped the truck. They had they could only flip the truck so once. many times. Yeah, yeah. what was it once? Yeah. And so they had to set up 
the cameras and that you know then it's okay yeah we'll hide it and we'll light it for all the cameras because we can only flip the because it what it shot like a pneumatic tube out the bottom to get it to flip over yeah the hydraulic thing that jumped it up right yeah yeah and then the the other example would be bridesmaids where you have two people talking if we did improv like that we just set up two cameras and then lit both people and got maybe we you know shoot two cameras get all the dialogue and then maybe shoot one master shot to figure out, you know, yeah, we'd shoot we'd, the master shot, then we'd shoot the yeah. If we were doing improv type stuff, like we definitely, then we definitely want because otherwise you don't want to miss it, right? Yeah, because <laughs> then you okay. Remember when you like came up with that line off the cuff last time? Do that again and make it sound like you're doing it off the cuff again. Remember uh, when you're really funny? Do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the last time, I mean, the last time we used two cameras was back in September. We shot uh, uh, working title is still disengagement, but it's one of our it's gonna one of the comedy segments for the feature length. Uh, thing that we're also the one that we're putting in the in the collection was it March second that it the little when, uh, online festival yeah go go to Penn's uh, Facebook page and look at when that festival is being held yes I see I think it's uh, March oh yeah we, spare it's change got, this it's called the spare change the spare change uh, festival yeah so that one we had an it was like an interview set up so we shot two cameras for that because it sure. made it made totals and it made you know editing yeah. a lot easier when you can do it because I don't have to go fish for the other person's back and forth you know it's like it's it got them in a multi-cam and premiere and it, you know just hit, hit a button and there it is but, so uh, um yeah. before i go to break and i'm just talking to you guys i think it's very very interesting to listen to both of you guys because even though you guys are most of a team you very efficiently know how to operate a short film and make it tight and if anybody's listening who wants to make a short film don't really know how to navigate it i think you have to really work a tight pre-production get all that worked out because it's very easy to work that out before you get into production and to have that conversation because you lose time talking, debating about that. That's why I was asking about storyboards, two cameras and stuff. I think you guys iron that out before you even set it up. So, And you have to have a shorthand with your collaborators where you're comfortable saying, here is my concern. Yeah. C- can we do this? Yeah. Or, if, or like we've done with each other, here's my silly idea. Can I <laughs> yeah. come talk to you about my silly idea? <laughs> yeah. And I say no. <laughs> Sometimes I say yes. I'm telling mom! <laughs> All right, we'll be back with more. Well, hello everyone. I am Billy Dees from the self-titled Billy Dees Podcast. You can find me on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and many more of the best podcast networks. Join me for my commentary and interviews. Follow me on Twitter, really easy to find, at Billy D's. I am Billy D's. I'd love to have you listen in. All right, we're oh, back. Yeah, uh, we're just talking about a little bit of filmmaking now. Is I always brought up them before I get back and love talk cinematography with you for a second because we just brought up the thing and I critique the thing, but especially for cinematography, and anybody looks back at the thing, I think a clever cinematography trick. Dean Cundey did cinematography before he also did like Caddyshack, and I think he also did uh, Back to Future, but it it's almost looks like it's forced perspective, oh, but not sure. being forced perspective. So when you see the monsters, it takes up the whole film. But it's at the same right distance. But it looks like it's cheating a little bit, where it's almost like almost like it punches you in the face, like oh my god. Yeah. So it's a very clever maneuvering of almost like well, they did force perspecting for Elf. Oh sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's very um, for like the thing. It's almost like it looks like it, even not being so. 
Yeah. And you have to think about that with characters, like how much space that they're going to occupy with the camera work and everything. Oh, the mise-en-scene. Yeah. Yeah. I know French words. <laughs> yeah. What's in the frame is what that means. Yep. Yeah, I know you know. I know. That's like the only French I know, but yeah. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. That too. Um, yeah, no, and like how, like if you're, I think another aspect of that is like how are you doing it with the camera actually up close with a wide lens or are you doing it farther back with a longer lens? You can get them the same size in the frame either way, but you're going to have different depth characteristics right. like the safety brothers shoot on 200 millimeter lens oh yeah from they're far back. across the street yeah and adam sandler's in the middle of new york like what's going on yeah right. a totally different feel than if you were up close not, not totally even not even not even touching on the the you know the distortion characteristics of a wider lens up close just the depth too the, would be totally different too but with the safety brothers even though they do a lot of space and a lot of depth it very constantly looks claustrophobic Yes. Everything yeah. they do, it looks like it. They're almost filming in a closet all the time. Yeah, because <laughs> even with the good times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because of there, I think they're so far away with such long lenses. It compresses that uh, the background into where you can't you can't judge how far. Even if the back, even if the wall behind Adam Sandler is like thirty feet away, it feels like it yeah. could be five feet away because of that two hundred millimeter lens or whatever they're using, and that's what feels. That's why, like, in Uncut Gems, I was like, I really enjoyed the movie, but I'm like, oh my god, I'm glad. I was ready for it to be over in the theater because I was... Having a pen attack. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and especially when you write, and I know we do, we do a writer's workshop, we always, like, make sure your character is always making decisions that not you would do, but you don't really agree with, and that's constantly, why? Don't do that! Yeah. Don't do that! Yeah, yeah, throughout the whole movie. Don't! You're doing that! Why do you do that? Because <laughs> uh, I always yeah. hear the argument of, oh, I hate it in movies where, like, they make a decision, like, make the obvious decision, like, if the guy's chasing you, don't go upstairs, get outside, and, you know what I'm saying? Like, But it's, you write that so the audience participates, right? I mean, it's kind of almost a thing that they hate it, but they enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Why'd you do that, you idiot? Well, but, also, right. yeah. that's why right. you wouldn't have a movie, especially with horror. You wouldn't have a movie if they ran out the house. I would like, like, I think the ideal, like, happy medium there would be like, yeah, you have the character know they should be running out the door instead of up the stairs, but like, come up with a way for a, re a reason why they can't. So, yeah. yes. like, you want them to make the right decision, but they give them a put an obstacle in the way so that they can't make the right decision. Their their only option is not the best option. And yeah. that way you get the best of both worlds. You get to have a movie, you get to have a horror movie that lasts longer than five minutes. And, and then, you know. One of my beliefs is that, and you've talked about this, is that horror and comedy are the same thing in a movie. Oh, yeah. Tension, tension, release of tension. Tension, tension, release of tension, or, you know, eight tensions, then release of tension. And the scare or the laugh, same thing. Because I, like, even though I tended toward comedy when I was younger, and I like comedies, I watch comedies, there's been a dearth of comedies for whatever reason throughout the past two years of whatever happened in 2020. Um, people want comedy, but what sells the best from amateurs I've always heard is horror, sci-fi, documentary. Because people are willing to listen to something like, oh, you don't have Brad Pitt in your movie, why would I watch your movie? Oh, you've got an interesting concept for a horror or a, um, you know, sci-fi movie or you've got an interesting subject for your documentary right yeah and that's why my wife why are you watching people under the stairs because i don't have people under my stairs i want to know what's going on <laughs> when you have people under your stairs so it's a little bit of more and more escapism a little bit yeah can i ask you about your consumption habits because you're yeah. creating here and yeah. like consumption habit of media 
while I am generating or we are generating media is something I'm constantly battling. For, I'll, I'll take it to an extreme example, a hyperbolic example. My wife will, we should, will not let our kids look at a screen until after they're two. And then even after they're two, we're never going to say, okay, now you can sit down and watch a half hour cartoon. It's like, well, they can look at the screen, but we still don't want them to. So now you as an adult, what are you consuming? How many comic books are you reading a week or a month? How many movies are you seeing? Because you're going to see Blacklight instead of watching the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, I think it's a little bit like almost like filmmakers because you see a lot of I interview so many filmmakers that are so wrapped up in the process of filmmaking. They don't see a lot of other movies. And I think that's a lot of really I don't read a lot of comic books. Hmm. I don't. I, I maybe pick up a few. I know a little bit of threads. But somebody's like, oh, you're a comic book artist. You know this and this. And I was like, I haven't been able to contact that yet and read that yet. And it's not till to bleed into my artwork. I have my own distinct style. But I think it just gets consumed. That's your job. It's hard to like sit down and watch somebody else do what you would do because you're already inserting yourself into it. Like I would totally, if I read a comic book now, I'd be like, I would have done it this way. That's that, the argument that comic book, comics yeah. make all the time. Like a yeah. stand-up comic, I can't watch that guy because then it influences me. And I've, but every stand-up comic starts out as like doing a prototype of somebody else. When we started out, when you started out making movies when you were twelve, you were doing a you watched a bunch of horror movies when you were eight, so you wanted to make a horror right. movie when you were twelve. You were just copying it, and eventually you form your own style. Yeah, yeah. but do, Nick, do you still watch a lot of movies? Uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm often not. Uh, I watch more than you do. Yeah, and we see a lot of movies together. Yeah, I guess I can't say I'm not, like seeing a ton of movies. Like I, I'm seeing new movies in the theater that I care about seeing. Yeah. Um, I'm not often sitting down and just watching an entire movie, just by myself. Yeah. Uh, just for entertainment, like, you know, partly because you know there's a lot. <laughs> I'm there's a lot of stuff going. on. We've got a lot of projects. We always have kind of a lot of projects, and I'm always like, there's always something like I yeah. I might want to watch a movie, but I should really be editing this movie in the other room um, or, or writing or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like I'm still, I'm not like movie celibate either. No, and, and usually when I get, when we have people like filmmakers sitting around the table, hardly ever the conversation is about a movie. Yeah. You always talk about other aspects of like, hey, did you talk about this? And how'd you find your location? So yeah. I aspect not to whole end result of a movie or have you seen this person famous director stuff like that and i think that's with comic book people too usually we go to comic cons and i talked with other artists we're not talking about their personal work we're just hey i did get this cranked out today or something like that it's nice to see you again so it's kind of a weird thing that you don't really talk about your occupation you usually find some other conversation you already know what you do yeah you're talking about process not products yeah mostly yeah yeah and it's hard because you're constantly, when I'm making a comic book, it's, and you're consumed by it and you're making it. And then here, go to the store and read some other ones. You're kind of like, I just want to go somewhere else. Maybe I'll read a book or watch a movie or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't watch series very much. I watch movies. Mm. And I think that's from me being a kid just because series just, when's it going to end or when's, it doesn't really change very much. Now they do. I mean, I mean, Deadwood sealed it. It's going to be a dynamic change. It looks like a movie sometimes now. Did you but say I, Deadwood? Yeah, Deadwood. Yeah, I love Deadwood. Yeah, look like a movie. That's that HBO, would, though. Yeah. Yeah, so like a series like those, that's when HBO changed it almost like a movie every hour. Where when I'm in the kids in the 80s, television looks stiff and flat. Ooh, no, yeah, yes, yeah. but like even, it was either like the sick, like the TGIF, uh, 
sitcoms I grew up with yeah. in the 90s. Like, you look at them now, like, you had the ones that were shot on video, which really look <laughs> awful, um, like Full House yes, and uh, Home Improvement shot on, like, VHS or whatever. Um, you, then you had the other ones that were shot on film, but at 30 frames per second, so they looked like Family Matters. Why am I talking about Urkel? Um, <laughs> Did I do that? Uh, I don't know how they made the decision to shoot some on video. Those ones look a little bit better, but still weird because it's like, when do you ever see film shot at 30? You know yeah. what I mean? So TV's shot at 30 and 60, though, a lot. Well, now, yeah, but I mean, like, for... for uh, The sitcom era. Yeah, yeah, and something that was... It was like... Yeah, drama and stuff, like, non-sitcom stuff is, would still be, like, 24, but, like, you know, these were shot at 30, but on film is the difference like so, so it's like you but either way they they have this look about them you watch them now and it's like i can't i couldn't sit through the, yeah. yeah um and the lighting you know the lighting so that they can just put the camera anywhere and there's no shadows anywhere but yeah now tv like i the only series when i watch a series i'm watching something on hbo or amazon you know their, their stuff netflix's stuff looks okay like i'm always critical what are you watching stuff. right now um, I should know as yeah. your brother. Righteous Gemstones. Oh, yeah. Peacemaker. <laughs> HBO. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like those stuff that looks the most cinematic. Whereas, like, and Amazon's decent. Uh, Netflix, they only care about resolution in their cameras. So, like, they, they might shoot something 4K, but right. they don't really, you know, anything else doesn't matter. It doesn't so look as filmic on a lot of Netflix. It just looks shows. like high, a, lot, a lot of their stuff just looks like high resolution. Video. Ozark being the example of like a show that oh. looks cinematic that one yeah uh, other the, all the other stuff they churn out netflix is pretty much like just oh it's 4k video I mean, sure. it all is but like you know they amazon don't. and netflix though force the 4k because yeah. you submit to those and they're the ones spending the money to yep. make things yeah uh which brings up a good topic of uh host nick what are yeah. your goals like do you want if you're a comic book guy you're a movie guy you're a host yeah what do you like do you want which one do you want to if you could quit your day job and be just one of those what would it be I think directing okay I really would yeah I think I'm comfortable doing it after you know being a well the back my background being a referee and I was in charge of a crew which is kind of like being in charge of a movie because I would have to find location where we're gonna work I had to hire my crews and I have to know they have to know their jobs you have to know the rules which is kind of a script Got to wear your outfit and <laughs> keep your outfit clean. Your costume. Costume clean. So, you know, and you're performing in front of 20,000 people. Make sure you do your job because if you screw up, you got everybody, including TV, mad at you. You have to be TV ready nowadays. And initially, you didn't have to, but even for high school, you have to be TV ready because if you come like this, like a mess, it k- kills your rating. So, with that experience, I felt. Well, God, I've been doing that for 10 years. It's almost feel like I'm ready to do a movie. Feels like like Rob, Rob Zombie. God, I, oh, I was touring. I did the shows. I managed. I, I did all this in charge of a budget, did records and everything. A movie's going to be small potatoes to me when I did all this monster, massive stuff before. So I think we're thinking like, so we're doing this uh, vignette feature right now. The point of yeah. doing the vignette feature is that we can then say, hey, look what we did with X number of dollars. Now it's time to spend somebody else's money to make a movie that is yeah. longer. And But even for me, and I, we've talked about this, my goal is not to be hopping from movie to movie. I want to pitch a series and I want to 
work on a series. I, I know you won't watch it because you don't watch a lot of series, but... I will watch it if somebody gives it to me, but it's it's yeah. it's, it's a hard investment. I'm going to treat it like a, a movie. I'm going to be. I'm not going to just put it away for a while. I'm going to be sit down and get into that world and be committed. Yeah, that would be the goal is to make a filmic type series. But the point being, that's uh, you can. Pl- hey, I know what I'm doing next year. Hopefully, there will be a ne- another season of this show, and we'll keep making that. And that's what I'd like because I think that's what's helping the. There's a lot of movies being made in Atlanta, obviously. But Tyler Perry uh, opened his studio, and they just started making a bunch of sitcoms. I I don't watch them. They're on TBS. I will someday, maybe. Uh, but you need that kind of predictable uh, revenue stream that a TV series provides so that you can raise a family, own a house. Have a steady job. Yeah, yes, have, exactly. When you're in a series, you know you get to go to work. That's like, the goal. Yeah. And that's why, like, uh, we invest a lot in local competitions, and I think that's good for getting people to work with you and getting higher caliber talent. Um, yeah. But there's things that are coming in, like Catalyst Content Festival up there in Duluth. Up in Duluth, yes. Yeah, and they're bringing people from West Coast, East Coast, you know, the – New York and LA people who actually work in the industry to try and find people that can produce content on yeah. a recurring revenue basis. I agree. And I like the encouragement of bringing other people from the coast in to get their perspective because I think Midwest people kind of get trapped in their own little world sometimes of how things are well, you know, even to when you look at how things are developing the over in LA, like, get snotty about it but that's the formula that's how you have to use it and it's nice to listen to them kind of like this is how it it works here it's not going to work there i like that conversation that you kind of have to have the thing that throws me off that i'm never it's not my natural thing to say is this thing that is an original idea of mine or ours is like these other things uh that you know you've heard of before so we uh made a a Z-Fest movie called Ruby, and it got in for a pitch at Catalyst. And from talking to people from L.A. and New York, I'm like, oh, what are you here for? I'm here for a pitch. Oh, what's it about? Obviously, that's the next question. And it became shorthand. You have to compare it to something they know. It's like right. the the guy's like Hannibal Lecter at a college, and he's predatory to people. That's a pitch that uh, a woman I met gave me. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So pitching Ruby, it was like, oh, what do we uh, – it's like – it's like Breaking Bad, but with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But instead of vampires, it's, you know, criminals and thugs and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And that became, like, that's we never talked about that when we were making the series, as it is now, of two, two episodes. Pitching um, is an art form by itself that gets you to the next step, definitely, yeah. Like, Ridley Scott came to the producer and was like, I want to make a sci-fi movie. What's it about? Well, it's... Like Star Wars meets Jaws, and that was Alien. Oh, yeah. And they're like, "We're yeah, let's do it." You got Star Wars meets yeah. It's a haunted house yeah. movie in space. It's a yeah. Or J.J. Abrams got lost because he's like, it's tw- it's pretty much Gilligan's Island meets Twilight Zone. Genius. Because I want to film in hell. I want to be in Hawaii for ten years, so let's <laughs> do it in Hawaii. Yeah. So I think pitching, especially if they can know something where it can derive from, yeah, it gets you. They understand right away. The lights go off rather Part than. Of- bring in art concepts and everything and tell them about the world building. Yeah. Well, part of the pitch process is to talk about comps, comparisons, but the shorthand is to talk about what are the comps to this series. Like the one that won the pitch competition, they made, their comp was to Queen's Gambit, except instead of chess, it was piano playing. And someone who had a disease where they uh, see in color what they're hearing, it's got a specific right. name. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, and okay, I, I see how that's like Queen's Gambit, which I haven't watched, but I know that you see like the chessboard, and then you see her like mind's eye of the chessboard, and it's moving around. Mm-hmm. Neither yeah. of you have watched Queen's Gambit. I, can I did. Tell. Oh, you did. Okay, am I, I getting it? Correct? I'm a chess player. Yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah. See, more it's, of this coming up. Queen's Gambit is op- one of the options of an opening move. Yeah. So yeah, in the in the movie, she's thinking about it. You have to think three moves ahead in chess, so she's almost thinking like five. And from her perspective, she's thinking, how do I, okay, you do this, but then I do this, then I do that. And she's doing it in her hands, but you visually see up above her. Is yeah. it like watching, you know how like a co- you've seen the coach in movies draw the X's and the O's? Mm-hmm. Is It It kind of looks like that, yes. and it's moving around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. My parents loved it, so it must be, you know. But the only thing, the only criticism I have of Queen's Gambit is she has a fall where her life kind of falls apart. And she's in her bra and underwear, smoking and drinking, and worried about life. And I, I turned to my wife and go, "That's not bad. That that's a dude feeling bad. A girl feeling bad. She'd be in her pajamas, sucking down ice cream, <laughs> watching Hallmark movies." <laughs> and my wife goes, "You're absolutely right." I go, "That's a dude writing." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Uh, yeah I, um, I don't like the idea of uh, what is it? The male gaze. Because we've had a lot of male gazy type things. An example being a Jurassic World. Everyone's like, she wouldn't be running around in high heels. She would take off her high heels immediately and run away from the dinosaur. Yeah. But you, like you guys can think for comedy, how can we make it a funny? If we use that joke and turn it on itself, like, oh, you look, and then you have something like, whoa, wait a minute, what? Yeah, of course. Um, do the Looney Tunes? Oh, it's a dude, right? <laughs> well, I think I think um, Matt Stone, Trey Parker have covered that pretty well. With oh, they already did. Yeah, if you've seen the movie Orgasmo, or I think Basketball does the same thing, where they well, hey, you think yeah. you're gonna see one thing? Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, they're clever at doing that. You think it's one way, and then they flip it on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is, I don't know if we'll talk about Nick because. That's kind of what you do for like horror movies. It's that bump, 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 knock it down kind of a thing, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, you kind of, yeah. Um, I think it's one of the many like tools in the arsenal because uh, everyone's seen a horror movie. They know what they know what you know. You, they know what they're expecting. You kind of are guessing what they're expecting. Yeah. And if you can subvert that, I think that's. I yeah. think you have to try to do that. Otherwise. Like, uh, it's just, you know, it's like watching the same movie over and over again. The surprise is what makes horror and comedy similar is, oh, I, I had something I was thinking of. There's an incongruent truth, but then the surprise of getting to that truth is. Yeah. I think I, mean, I think the thing with comedy that's a little bit different is that it's like, I feel like a big part of it is like when that punchline hits, it's. Like oh yeah that's totally true like the viewers like oh man I didn't I didn't think of that myself that's not where my head was going yeah. but that's totally I totally see that being like you know it's 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 a it's a uh, exaggeration of reality but the truth you can recognize the truth in it and then it's like that's why it's funny like oh I totally yeah I know I totally know what they're what they're getting at with that with that joke I always say the core of com- comedy is immaturity. Like, if you really just, all right, cut Abbott and Costello. Let me tell you, you guys are having two different conversations right here. You, know, you want to almost explain it to them, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's almost like why three, two, three stooges work is because they're not going to solve the problems. They're just going to release their anger. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. right. And then you know, you know, you know, you hired the three stooges to paint your house. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, 
going to go turn out rotten. Yeah. But then that's with horror movies. You know, you go into a cabin in the woods that's dilapidated, and there's no, and the snow covers in, there's no way to get out. Well, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Everyone's going to die except for one person, and then that person will most likely be a final. I mean, final yeah. girl is usually who it is. Yeah, well, then, so within that template, how do you, what are the, that, that's the broad stroke, what are what, the, the finer strokes of the story, what are what are some areas where you can, you're still working within that box, but what are areas where you can... Be creative. Be Yeah, have things yeah. play out a little bit differently, um, even though the setup is a very familiar setup, you're in a cabin in the woods. You can have, like, so, a signature weapon be another thing that's just interesting yeah, yeah, or just another different character, right? Yeah, and then and that's why I like the new Scream movie because usually part five they kind of wears out its welcome, <laughs> kind of like paint by numbers. Yeah, but it was has such a fresh and energy to it. Yeah, and it was so it, it still maintains its originality. It still yeah. comes with what we like about that franchise. Yeah, but being something new, be something transitional. It was yeah. great. Yeah, and I always say Scream when I saw it when I was in college. And I turn to my friends. I go, "That's a parody. They're making f- the its parody is honored. They love what they're doing. Yeah, but they're making fun of it. Where I think now you can kind of twist and say it's a legit horror franchise. You will not put Scream in the comedy section. Y- yeah, but I think it was more of a parody because we knew it was almost like, yeah, that's what you have. Hollywood tells us we have to do this. We, yeah, this is what we're doing. But now it's definitely and that's what you had to do. And at that time in the '90s, looking at where horror was then, you had all these. Uh, the first half in the '90s, you had all these. Kind of '80s leftovers, yep, or franch- stuff franchises that didn't really take off. Like, like uh, you had Candyman, but then you had all, you know, yeah, also people Candy- under the stairs or Candyman yeah. Two yeah. didn't. You know, there was no. You know, like <laughs> um, you had I don't know uh, what else. Oh, well, in franchises that had already exi- existed, like Halloween. You had a Halloween right before Scream. Yeah, and you had tanked, Leprechaun and everything. And no one cared. Le- yeah, and le- yep, Leprechaun. Then you have Hellraiser in space. Yes. And yeah. that was the last thing. You always went in space. When you ran out yeah. of ideas, you just go in space. Right, yeah. right, Jason? Oh, wait. He went to hell, then space. Right? Yeah, you got to go different. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. Get him out of camp. Right, yeah. yeah. Go to Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's what you kind of had to do. Now it's like everything kind of does what Scream did. And now it's just kind of normal, like as far as like self, not everything. Very meta, like, like referring to like, hey, the audience, wink, wink, let's break the fourth wall kind of stuff. Um, not always that on the nose, but like, you know, everything, I was, everything is at least a little self-aware, whether they put it up on screen or not. And that influence, I think, influences the writing. I was going to call out in Scream 5 that they brought up like the change since the last Scream has been the rise of elevated horror. Which is, uh, as they name in Scream Five, is Hereditary. The Witch is that how you pronounce it? The two V's, or do you say the Witch? I, I go with Witch, but yeah, okay. I don't care. I've been saying yeah. the because it makes it's fun to say. <laughs> yeah, like how the name of the feature is American S Show, so you say right. The feature we're working on, and then the other ones they name are the Babadook, Hereditary, and the first one I said the Witch. But I would put the Lighthouse into it. Oh yeah, is that a horror movie? It's a terrific ending, but right, it's more of a drama, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost I, like a it's almost like a racer head. It's like, is that a horror or a comedy or yeah, yeah? Well, you, well I, I do that with uh, Guillermo del Toro movies sometimes. Is that a horror? Like, um, is have you seen Nightmare Alley? Oh, of course, my favorite movie of twenty twenty one. I thought that was going to be I, really yeah, it's, yeah. It's probably my favorite of the uh, best of uh, the best picture nominees is. Nightmare Alley. You can, have you seen it yet? It's on no. HBO Max. Oh, it is now. You can watch it. Okay. 
Yeah. It, it's you know it's, it's a remake of a noir that I really like, but a it's, book it, that what came out in the '40s and then it was made into a movie in '46, '47. Yep. Yeah, with Tyrone Power, but it's it's a wonderful fall. I think that that's Bradley Cooper's character, Stan Carla, has a wonderful arc to it. But the the book is it's a long arch, but the movie it's almost like two different movies: the carnival, then when he's getting famous. Yeah. yeah. Would you call it a horror movie, though? Like, there's horrors in it, there's no. horror elements, but it's noir, I guess. No, I won't call it a horror movie. But it feels like it at times. It has that flavor to it that feels like, I don't want, I don't, that's uncomfortable, right? And sometimes, I mean, genre can be both a crutch or a help, and it depends on which way you're leaning and how, like, are you aware of what's come before? Is your audience aware of what's come before? And I think Scream is specifically calling that out which you know makes it as you said a parody satire and then somehow it got bastardized into like people think parody and they think scary movie which was a satire of a satire yeah it's almost a hat like on a, a hat it's like a print of a copy of a copy right <laughs> yes yeah um, i was gonna let you know uh, in, you know like science of the lambs which is a horror movie and how about best pictures one of the first horror movies that's one best picture and the unique thing about it when i was reading about it is Whenever they shot exterior, it was always cloudy. They didn't intentionally yeah. make it, but it was always never a bright sunny day throughout yeah. that whole movie. Even when they went vacationing in Haiti for their <laughs> the, like, the end scene, yeah. yeah, we'll get a bright scene, and it was yeah. like cloudy and rainy. Like, well, this is the movie, yeah. right? It's just one of those happy things that they never really intentionally. But now you go back and like, God, there's not a bright sunny day throughout that whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Do you watch the? I, I find myself watching that like every. Three or four years, I just have oh, to I probably it. watch it more frequently than that. Maybe oh, every yeah? couple years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are what what are some? Hey, brother, what are some of the other movies you're rewatching a lot? And Nick, host Nick, that's no, I want to. Yeah. Well, I've, yeah. I mean, I I've put on uh, since seeing Scream Five, I put on some of the older screams just for not even necessarily seeing watching them all the way through, but just like. When I, you know, settling in for the evening. As a time. joke, I put on Scream Four in front of my wife, and then she, we sat and watched the whole thing. <laughs> watching the whole thing. Yeah, she yeah. had. I she maybe had seen it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I like what I like about the original Scream. It's almost shot like a soap opera, almost Days of Our Lives a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Until you get to like, whoa, like now we're not really soapy, but it's almost yeah. like yeah, I hate someone. It's very high schooly. Yeah. Did Wes Craven work with the same cinematographer over and over? I know somebody in this room though. Well, yeah, he worked with the, during that era. Um, I think Mark Irwin was his go go to, uh, and then Mark Irwin started shooting Scream, and then something happened. The stories kind of differ, but like something happened where a bunch of dailies came in out of focus, and they were like told Mark Irwin to fire his crew. And Mark Irwin said, "I'm not going to fire my crew. Um, you'll have to fire me." And someone, someone, the way someone tells the story is that Wes Craven said, "Well, that's a good idea," <laughs> and fired him. Oh. And then got Peter Deming to reshoot. I don't know what what they reshot. I don't know what what of that movie is reshot. I think it's stuff at the house in the second half of the movie. Hmm. Um, and it was like a week's worth of stuff. And then he Peter Deming shot all the Wes Craven sequels, and probably I would imagine. I didn't see Music of the Heart. I'm sorry. I don't know if Peter Deming shot Wes Craven's Meryl Streep violin movie. Oh. But uh, I feel like he worked with Peter Deming a lot. I have to go look for that. Yeah. If you like Wes Craven, I I think uh, Serpent the Rainbow is one of his best ones. And it's almost like... Roger Ebert like if he didn't work horror he should he would have been like an Academy Award winning director which yeah. is like why would that be a minus if you work horror movies yeah 
Well, that's around your horror movie, movies and comedies never get the respect in <laughs> in their time. But the it, the populist, you know, they they hang on if people like them, right? Yeah. And those yeah. are the ones like I'm going. Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar was the best one of the best movies last year. I agree. And like it's not it did not getting any nominations. We're not talking about it at the Golden Globes. It was fun. That, and it knew exactly what it was. I watched it five times, <laughs> like within three days of uh, it coming out on DVD because I didn't want to pay for it because I'm cheap. Ah, that's bad. I shouldn't, you know. I'll pay for everything, buy everything that is, you know, media because we want people to spend more and then yeah. eventually buy more of our stuff. Yeah. Because, again, the goal is a business. Right. Well, thank you guys for coming and talking about movies with me. This is great. I learned a great deal about JK Productions and looking forward to um, Tossed, right? Tossers. 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 I'm going to catch that eventually. But I like also that you only use one word for your titles. Is that? Uh, but now I've got, a, we brought notes of what we were supposed to talk about. So my Puppet friend Molly, King. that's three names. Ralph Child, that's two. Oh, there oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Puppet King. Puppet King. Yeah. All right. And then so, and celebrity is going to get changed to, what Something. is it? White Girl Trippin'. Something like that. <laughs> All right. Something. But you keep it relatively simple. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I like that. And uh, sometimes people get a little creative with their titles just to get noticed, get a little bit of pop, like Science of the Lambs. Yeah. I, I, de- yeah. I know you're definitely trying to end the show, but yeah, I think there's making movies for people who know movies really well, and mm-hmm. there's making movies for general audiences. And yes. Our, our, like, I'm looking my brother in the eye. Our goal is to make movies for general audiences. Yeah. 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 Well, Penn, Penn and Penn Teller, that Penn Tillett says it, perfectly are you a magician just to please the masses which is great but are you a magician to fool other magicians and that's where you know are you a filmmaker to impress other filmmakers or you're just a filmmaker to enjoy the masses to enjoy it yeah it's you def- can be both but right. you have to know which one like i don't know yeah i mean i think i definitely think we want to do general audiences first but i also still want other filmmakers to be like oh i well look, i think that. the cone brothers did it I yeah. think they maintain, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they do a one for them, one for one for us kind of thing. Like after they went win all the you know awards for Fargo, they go and do uh, <laughs> Big Lebowski, go, and then they did the same thing after No Country for Old Men, where they make Burn After Reading, and like No Country for Old Men is a movie I have to watch every two years, but Burn After Reading I've only seen twice since it came out. Did you ever read the book No Country for Old Men? Oh, by Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. No, I'm I I don't read enough. It's just Cormac's weird. It's hard. The road, right? He wrote the road. The road is a little more, a little more clarity to it. That's a little more easy to read. But like Blood Meridian, in No Country for Old Men. If he, if he didn't, if he read it, now he understand the story, which is Tommy Lee Jones' character just self-absorbed, like he can't do his job. He's deflated, depressed. He's just flashing back to all the events that happened. And then the subplot is all the events happening. So he flipped the concept of the story, which you concentrate more on the subplot. Than the main story so the main story is tommy lee jones but we don't invest a lot of time with that we invest a lot of time with the subplot of what's going on because that's far more interesting with Javier bardem and josh brolin yeah so you're saying in the book that that the, the there's stuff pages and pages of just the the sheriff reflecting on his life and that's the most of what we see in the movie you're saying no no the because the only scene of that we get is at the end where he's telling his wife about the dream right yeah or then just you can plan your life about the person you shoot cattle and then nine on a, you know, in a closed environment safe then you shot and then hit him in the shoulder so no matter you can play safe 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 and it's eventually danger is going to get you no matter what yeah. that's just kind of the theme of the book 
So because he yeah. doesn't go into the hotel at the end, he's like he's at the door, and you don't know whether or not Javier Bardem is in there. He goes in, in the movie. He goes in though. Oh, so are we to assume he got killed? I, th- no, that's why no, I have no, to no. Watch he this goes movie in, and, and then I think you know that Javier Bardem was in there somewhere. You yeah. don't know exactly where, but in somewhere, and somehow he left the room. Is what I take from it because I just watched it couple months ago I've, I've got to rewatch it it's been at least um, two years and then no he does no he he goes in and he and also leaves alive yeah but also <laughs> like let's end on screw the coen brothers for yeah. leaving minnesota the farts brothers are here to stay <laughs> yeah i love it i love it well you know the first movie they ever did was when they were kids they just shot a movie at the airport Oh, really? Yeah, it was called Kissinger Late for the Plane. So somebody dressed up like Harry Kissinger, and they just ran around the <laughs> oh, wow. airport, and they shot it. Back like, when you could go to the airport. and, and not, Yeah, you're in the 60, late 60s, and you'd be like 12 years old, and you can just nobody's going to care. Wow. There's kids. Are like, <laughs> That's not available to watch anywhere, is it? I think you're right. If you knock on their door, maybe they'll oh. show it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but yeah, great great talking with you guys. I'd love to have you come back and talk just movies in general yeah, yeah thanks for having us the goal yes. was to get invited back so right sure yeah you guys ever <laughs> want to do your own podcast uh just don't have the time we don't know how to do it we yeah. know how to i mean it's set up a shotgun mic and then talk into it and listen to it and edit it afterwards but yeah, when i think when, you're down i think you're devaluing the amount of work oh puts well <laughs> no. i've been doing it long enough that it just yeah. yeah, you're like Joe Rogan. I mean, I know he's persona non grata, but he's always trying to bro people into making. Dude, do a podcast. You're an interesting guy. Do a podcast, and I agree. You know, yeah. I would like to. I like talking. I talk for to make the money to make the movies. I DJ weddings, so I have to talk no mic. <laughs> you always have to tell the guests eat it. Just eat the mic. Get up there and because they're. I, I I I put the thumb up to my chin and say, hold it like this. You're on American Idol. Don't have it at your belly button. You're on yeah. American Idol. Yeah. I'll give a little bit of secret. A lot of time when we have actresses and actors here, they they're, they're, they're not, they haven't done any voiceover work. It's hard for them to know because they're so used to the boom mic being so far away. And they're like, "Get in there, really? Get yes, get in the microphone." Yeah, sweet. So, what do you guys use for sound? Shotgun mic. Uh, you've got that Sennheiser that's like two grand. Well, I don't. It's not mine. I steal. Sometimes I steal the shit. Three thousand dollars chefs from the day you job. Borrow where? Steal. Well, whatever. Steal. Borrow. What if yeah. they hear this? This is a podcast. It's meant for popular. Yeah, we've already been doing it for an hour. They have already. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Nothing too fancy. We just right. like our. You know. Yeah. Investing in sound is important because people will watch a thing that's shot poorly as long as it doesn't oh, yeah. sound bad. I think no. you've said that on podcasts. I said it before. People will yeah. watch anything, but they will not listen to everything. So yeah. if sound yeah. is bad, they'll stop, no matter how beautiful it looks. Yeah. yeah. So hire an Arthur Hay or a Bo Gillis, just a shout-out to sound guys. Yeah. Like. yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the 50% of the reason why people love Star Wars is the sound. Yeah. The music. That was the only the thing sound. that beat George, uh, what is it, Lucas's, like, expectations was John Williams' score, right? Yeah. You winning? Guess, yeah, yeah. it was a combination with the sound effects and such. Yeah, you just instead of putting the music, put something on like you know, like a funny gag. You know, doesn't work with the with the sound. Yeah, sound works. So thanks again, guys. Thanks Thank for, you. for Thank coming. Thank you. Yes. Um, and you guys know it's not over till the guests say it's over. Is that our cue to say it's over? Yeah, it's over. It's over. Oh, there we go. Yeah. It's not over.